This is An Open Invitation, a podcast where Liana and Shiva discuss the possibilities and permutations of life today. As an actor, that is what strives me now, to get more and more complex with the roles that I play, get deeper and deeper and closer to the human spirit. For the first season, we talk to the youths in Singapore, and so we invite you to connect with their stories. You are safe, and you are protected, and all life, all of life loves and supports you. We hope that through this, you might understand yourself better and even find that you share similar narratives to those around you. In this episode, we invited freelance actor Shrey Barga. Shrey describes how his experiences with depression and OCD have shaped his interaction with his craft and, in turn, how acting has allowed him to gain deeper insight into the human experience. Shrey also feels a profound connection with the universe, which serves to protect and support him. Today's topic deals with sensitive content, such as exploring suicidal ideation. Listener discretion is advised. Can we start with you just introducing yourself and what you do? Hi everyone, I am Shrey, Shrey Bhargav. Uh, I'm an actor, freelance actor right now at the moment. I studied acting mm. at the University of Southern California in Los Angeles back in 2016. So I graduated in the great 2020. Um, and yeah, I've just been doing that since. I have been acting since I was a kid. So it's been something I've always wanted to do. And that's pretty much a very brief summary of an introduction, I guess. <laughs> Um, maybe you can tell us a bit about um, how you started to get into acting. Right. Uh, well, I was a very playful kid and my mum would always put on Barney to try to distract me. Okay. And I was the kind of kid who would uh, watch it uh, 10 times. <laughs> and then same I would, episode. Yeah. And I would reenact the same episode <laughs> as Barney. As Barney? Yeah. Okay. I thought as you'd Barney be one of the kids or, as, or something. No, I was Barney. <laughs> <laughs> no other. <laughs> I would come out and do all of that. And then stuff like Batman, mm. I would do the same thing. I would dress up in my whole Batman outfit. I had this as a kid. Same with Spider-Man. And then I would just like act with my mom. I would always be like, my, so when, once I would get into that costume, my mom would be like, where's my son? Oh my God, my son's gone. <laughs> right? That is so cute. And then that I would is. run around the whole house as Batman or as Spider-Man and locate her son. And when I found him in my imagination, I would take off the mask oh. and say, here's your son. Oh, <laughs> that is adorable. So, so at that point, I think uh, my mom realized he's uh, going to do something <laughs> in drama. <laughs> or he has some inclination for playing pretend. And then mm. um, uh, the she there was a, these drama classes in like kindergarten, in the PAP kindergartens that you have in like afternoon, they would have these enrichment classes. Uh, This was back in like, I guess, 2000. Um, And so there were two options. It was either speech and drama or phonics. And a lot of kids were going into phonics at that time for speech and all of that. Um, But my mom decided to put me in drama because she thought it'd be good for me to just play around and Mm -hmm. have a bit of fun. And ever since then, it just sort of, I just kept doing it. And it was for me, I believe it was, um, I think everyone in life has signs Mm. from whether you believe in God or whether you believe in just energy or the universe or whatever that is divine, the source, right? Um, Signs that lead you to what you're meant to do Mm. or meant to be and meant to explore. Uh, And for me, I guess things just sort of led to this. Um, My 
my so my drama teacher, my first drama teacher in that kindergarten enrichment class, right? <laughs> she happened to join this primary school um, as a drama teacher, and it was the first year that she was there. And I happened to join that same primary school, and we met. Nice. Right, and yeah. it was this this divine sort of thing where she was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, I didn't know you're joining this drama, this this primary school, right?" Mm-hmm. And uh, so she took me into drama a year earlier. So usually you'd get into CCA at P three. Mm-hmm. I was in drama at P two because nice. she just knew me. She's like, "Just come and be part of this class." Same thing. You fast forward to secondary one. I missed the drama auditions, and I was very much into cricket at the time. Full on, like I want to be a cricketer when I grow up. Um, definitely don't have the athletic aptitude to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a terrible cricket player, but that's a whole other story. But anyway, I was so intense. Like, I was like, yeah, I want to be a cricket player, right? And I missed the drama auditions. Didn't want to do it. But my mom saw that in me. She was like, you should just try. Go and speak to the drama teacher. I went to speak to a drama teacher. And the teacher was like, uh, oh, you missed the auditions. Come back next year. Mm-hmm. And then I just... I don't know why, but I just told her, I was like, oh, Miss Nazreen, and she's my primary school drama teacher. Mm-hmm. She really recommended this drama club and said it's a really good place. Uh, so I would love to join if I could. And then that teacher did like a double take and she was like, oh, you're Nazreen's boy. Oh. So I didn't have to do any auditions in secondary school. Oh, wow. Just, oh, wow. She <laughs> just, yeah, so it's very strange, right? She just said, oh, you're Nazreen's boy. So, okay. Come to the class. Uh, come to the drama club, and mm. you don't you don't have to do audition. Just just come and see if you like it. Mm. And then I just sort of was part of the drama club <laughs> all the way till you know JC and uh, once. And then by uh, by fifteen or so, I kind of really knew that that was what I wanted to do as a profession. Mm. Yeah. But how do you come to that conclusion at fifteen? Fifteen is right. a very young age. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was always the type of kid who was. Well, my, so my, my mom is, a, as you've probably heard by now, a very influential force in my life. Mm. She, the way she raised me and my younger sister was in a way that she, you know, whenever as a, as a kid would come home with frustrations or annoyances or uh, stress or whatever it mm. is, she would help us process it in a very effective way. Like mm. she would, she would make us recount that event, whatever it was, how we we're feeling about it, and then help us verbalize it. So I always had a sense of articulating everything that I'm feeling, processing it, putting it aside and moving forward with a different perspective. So she she always had that inculcated in me from young. So I was a very straightforward kid. Like I would process all of these things and be very clear about ideas and perspectives and what I want, what I don't want, whether in friendships, relationships, in school. Um, It's very clear-headed in there and very logical, which has its downsides. (laughs) Also, because I get, as a kid, I would get very logical, Mm. hyper-logical sometimes. Um, And, you know, sometimes feelings would be like, why can't you just process it? Just put it aside. Just focus on the logic Mm. of the moment and figure it out, Um, which in conflicts can be a problem. Um, But (laughs) uh, that's something else, right? And then when it came to 15 years old, when I really, I I did this first big play in school uh, uh, as one of the major parts uh, in in secondary school, so I did that. It was a big achievement for me at that time. And up till this point, I'd done only stuff in school, and there were plays here and there, smaller roles here and there. Mm. Um, and I did that, and the feedback that I got, the reception, the people. At that point of time, it was very much, uh, I would say, in some sense, vanity. 
there was a, a huge sense of like, oh my God, I'm appreciated for this, right? <laughs> I'm good at this. Um, and so initially, there was even this kid who walked up to me and was like, can I have your autograph? Oh, right? This little cute. kid, right? And oh my God, at that moment, I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah, this is the life <laughs> that I want. This is for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's 15. Um, and all it served at that time was to just make me pursue acting in a sense that like I needed to discover well how do I do things outside of school how do I it gave me the energy needed to really explore uh, and I would say now I'm at a place where I'm doing it for different reasons it's not really oh, I want to be famous and I want to get the attention and be approved mm-hmm. by people you know of my craft or be told that I'm good enough I don't need that anymore because I I know what my craft is and what I'm doing it's more about the impact that my craft will leave mm-hmm. um, so so, but at that time at 15, that was what made me make the decision. It was that sense of creating an identity in school that was different mm. from everybody else. And it, it gave me a whole different sense of being, mm. yeah, at that time. How do you come to evolve your relationship with your with theater or yeah. with acting? Because from how you saw it when you were 15 and all the way up till now, it's different, right? As yeah. you mentioned. How did you, what was the process like? Right. Um, I think when you're doing theatre, it's such a community, like communal Mm. effort, right? I think that's what I always loved about theatre, that nobody there is like better than someone else. You're kind of collaboratively working towards a goal and to discovering the truths of the play, Mm. the scenes, the moments, right? So it was play for me. When I was young, it was just, I'm there with friends and we're all creating something that's fun and we're exploring. So it was always on that place. And it's never really changed. That has never really changed. Whenever I step into a theater, even the theater production that I did recently, uh, it's just the same feeling when you come with people and you do that. So the relationship with theater has always been that sense that I'm home. Mm. You know, I, I when I enter a theater or whether it's on set for film or TV, uh, but really, when it's a black box or it's a theater, mm-hmm. when you step into that space, there is a sense of letting go. Like, this is home. I get to be what I want to be. I get to mm-hmm. play and try and fail. And everyone, no one's going to judge you mm-hmm. in that sense uh, if you have a good team, ideally. Mm-hmm. But when you're a kid, especially, no, and you're in a drama club, you're all there to experiment and fail together. Like, so that yeah. space was wonderful. And I think you rarely get that kind of space elsewhere in life um, some people don't even get that with family yeah. you know and so theater and that's why they say once the theater bug bites you mm. you can't go back you know <laughs> you, you you're there you, it's this sense of being home yeah. and uh, so that really hasn't changed but I think what did change was my sense of uh, uh, re- my relationship with my own ego mm. and I think Initially, it served as a means to, of identity. Like I said, it, it helped me create a sense of identity that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. right? It helped me stand out. It helped me be recognized, be appreciated, which are great things as a kid when you're growing up. You need that sense of confidence. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say when I was like, I guess around 18, 17, 18, um, leading into my 20, uh, in, into early 20s, there was a phase where uh, certain things happened to me where I was reminded that perhaps this ego can be can be read as 
overconfidence or arrogance. And even though my intention was never in those circumstances, in those events, mm. to come across that way or mm. to put others down or whatever. Um, but when, you, when you're really good at something yeah. or you're pursuing something with such confidence, oftentimes you will find yourself in situations where you may not even intend it, but you may come across as that. Mm. Um, or sometimes you have to watch yourself and see how, you know, even if you're confident in doing something, can that confidence be putting someone down in this moment right. in any way? You know, how can you lift other people up while also pursuing whatever you are, you want to pursue? Mm. And so that awareness from 18 to 21, I think, was when I started developing that sense of awareness. And when I did develop that sense of awareness, then I realized, oh my God, like acting is so much more than than me being good at what it, you know, me being good at something. Right. Right. It is, it is really about the moments where I'm on stage or, you know, ideally on stage, because that's when you have the direct connection with the audience, but mm. even in film too. But whatever you do, you can really, how do I, let me put it in a better way. I, I, I once read this quote and I can't remember who said it, but it said like, acting is like putting your hand on someone else's shoulder and saying, I know. Okay. I understand. That's a nice way of putting you it. Know? Yeah. 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 So it was that kind of a thing where I realized, oh my God, people go through so many things. Yeah. And if I can use my body as a vessel Mm-hmm. To you know, communicate these struggles or these mm-hmm. these com- com- the complexity of being human mm-hmm. through my body and my mm-hmm. voice to another person and move them. Right. I don't know what kind of impact I could have on another person's life. Mm-hmm. Right. And that idea, even though it's abstract, is always motivating me with mm-hmm. every project that I do because there's always one person, somebody who would be affected by it in a way that you just can't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. And that possibility is exciting to mm-hmm. me. It just gives it meaning. So then it's changed to that. Um, and of course, to get to this point, and I'm continually growing in the, and it's a constant process, because especially in entertainment, you're always toying with this. It is such a roller coaster life because you have work two, three months, you have a lot of work. Oh my God, suddenly you're so busy mm-hmm. and you're doing work and people are, uh, 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 recognizing your efforts and you are doing well and then there are some months where there's nothing mm. and suddenly nobody is even thinking about you mm. and you start to question whether this is really what I want to do so there's, there's such a roller coaster of emotions and you also have to manage the public side of it right because the more you the more work you do the more you might be recognized the more your work kind of stands in for who you are yeah. mm. okay. and then you have to kind of you know, so there's all of that that you have to manage mm. um and so it took a lot to get to this point where now I'm just doing it for the work, mm. right? It's all about just the more precise. It's like a painting, right? You you need or playing the piano. My, my One of my professors in, in school, she would always say it's like playing the piano. You really have to practice, practice, practice. And it's every little key and note. One little note that is off, you can recognize it. You can tell in that moment that that moment wasn't, you know, wasn't ideal. Like mm. You're not getting to that the complexity of, of that moment. Yeah. Um, so as an actor, that is what strives me now to get more and more complex with the roles that I play, get deeper and deeper and closer to the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's a never ending thing because how can I say at this point that I know everything about humanity? I don't, right? Yeah. So it's always a discovery, which is, which is the exciting thing about acting because the more I do, the more I look back at my old work, I'm like, oh man, that was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you know it's it's getting better, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so it's constantly on that place where you're trying to improve things and make it better. Mm. So. Yeah. In those times where you mentioned that you have like no work or lesser work, yeah. 
how do you stay sure like this is what I want to do and on that note how were you so sure at 15 like how yeah. are you so confident at 15 because at 15 I don't think I was confident <laughs> that confident at least like oh, I'm sure I want to do this with my entire life so yeah. how do you get into like, how do you I deal think, with that well so at that was just it was just this simple philosophy that I had at 15 that whatever we choose to do in life you it's going to be a big part of your life right your career is a big part of your life and everyday life yeah. and how you see life and the people you mean and the kind of things that you do. So for me, it was like, well, when I am at my deathbed, like I want to be happy with what I did mm-hmm. and be satisfied with, with, and not have any regrets in that sense. So I just had that sense that like, if I don't even try mm-hmm. to build a career as an actor, it's not that, oh, I have to be successful. I have to really make it. It's just that if I don't even try, to build a successful career in acting, then, oh my God, I'm conf- I will definitely have regrets. Mm-hmm. So that I knew. <laughs> so I know okay, I have to try, okay. right? Logically. So I was a very logical kid. <laughs> <laughs> so straight up logic, it was like, well, that means I have to try. So, <laughs> that makes okay. sense. So yeah. if I don't try now, when will I try? Mm-hmm. Which means this is what I want to do. So then that means I need to find out how to do it. And then that was it. Just okay. <laughs> I I just kind of yeah. I was very very logical. I guess as a kid. Actually, this is something I want to talk about because I feel like so much of being an actor relies on how you process emotions as well. And in processing emotions, it you you think about how to portray those emotions. Yeah. How are you? doing that while being so logical at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. This is a paradox that my girlfriend, my parents, everybody... She's is... here with us right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have an event after this, so I brought her along. Um, they are always baffled by this. Like, how are you, you know, sometimes in arguments or in... Uh, I can I can get a little cutthroat, cut right, when, when I'm in the heat of it. And it's not it's not the best version of me. Because I get so logical and I just argue on that. And then it's, you know, I, I forget about the... Which is, it is it, it baffles me too. It's like, mm. wow, I can do all this stuff on stage and on film and on TV. But in my own life, sometimes I just forget. <laughs> right? That happens. Which makes me a complex human being. Um, <laughs> and uh, as, and, as we all are, we all have contradictions and we all have... We um, yeah. Uh, yeah, contradictions. And I think... That is what I like about acting in the sense that like when I'm reading a character mm. on, in a script, it is actually a very logical process at first mm. because you have to make sense of everything that the person is doing. So even though they may be driven by emotion, they may be driven by irrational desires or objectives or um, traumas or whatever it is, there must be that each moment must have a logical sense from one moment to another, mm-hmm. right? If If... Person A says to my character that, you know, I am proud of you. And my response to that is silence, let's say. Mm. I have to logically make sense of that. Mm -hmm. Why is he silent, right? Why doesn't he burst into tears or why doesn't he take it off or shrug it off as a joke? Mm -hmm. Why is there silence in this moment, right? So every moment to, to make sense of it, there is, there has to be a rational, logical flow of emotions or flow of intention, mm-hmm. right? In, in in every moment. So there is logic to illogicality, 
mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And I think that that complexity of finding that is the exciting part because as a logical person initially, I wouldn't say I am now. I, I would say I was very much so heavily dependent on logic before. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I fell into a deep depression and, and discovered there was more to life than logic. <laughs> but um, that's another story. Um, but now it's it's at that point where when you when you look at the humanness of a character and the contradictions that's where the beauty lies mm-hmm. that's where you can be moved to tears where you where where as humans you're so trapped in that yeah. where you want something so bad but you can't have it yeah. but then there's something else you want but you can't acknowledge it <laughs> you know we are so complicated right? yeah, yeah. And, and and to find the logic in that to find out why this person chooses yeah. to be in this space that is the most beautiful thing you can try to do. So I I love that process. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think I I have a lot of empathy, and and specifically when when I went through that depressive phase, there was an event, and that that really helped me understand what empathy really means, mm-hmm. and feel it. Yeah. And that from that point on, I have str- like I've strived to be better in my life, also to okay. have empathy with the people I talk to and, and, and especially the people I'm close to yeah. uh, and and not always fight on logic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly working on myself and trying to be better in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one thing that I felt I resonated with that is um, you were talking about how you were really confident in your craft and then sometimes that comes off as being arrogant to other people. Right. How do you deal with just discovering parts of yourself that you may not be so okay with because I feel like that's mm. happening to me ha- happening to me right now <laughs> yeah, um, I just feel like um, the older you get the more situations you you, you experience of course mm-hmm. um, and then you you start seeing patterns in the way you respond to things yeah. and then there's a certain way I respond to things that I don't actually really like and yeah. How are you okay with that? How do you be okay with yourself? Yeah. I mean, initially, this was very difficult for me. And it really, <laughs> really affected me because I was always also the type of kid that I, I lived with my heart on my sleeve. And with acting as an actor, you always, you know, vulnerability is the biggest asset you can have. So mm-hmm. I was always an open book as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I trusted everybody. And I never, you know, never judged people for what they did or mm-hmm. as a kid especially because how can I judge my characters if I'm going to play them yeah. and same thing with people so I just lived like that so when it came to a point where uh, I was told this that this was happening and it, it came from the way I walked or the way I talked mm-hmm. then it made me hyper self-aware right. to a point where I was really afraid of how I was coming across because it was never my intention mm-hmm. to put others down or to speak over other people mm-hmm. I might have only done that because I was super excited about sharing whatever it was, and then maybe it came across that way, right? Yeah. So it, it it did. If this was around 17, 18, and it, it really started to affect me, I would be hyper aware of how I came across, and, and I became quieter. Mm. Uh, and then it also manifested in uh, 2015, when I was about 19, I joined this acting hosting competition, the Five Search mm-hmm. uh, in Singapore. So I was one of the youngest contestants. And again, there was a lot of emphasis on how I looked and how I talked and how I came across. In the finale, the judges said I came across as too perfect. 
I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And and so that made me really question a lot of how do I portray myself to another person yeah. when I just want them to see me as me. Mm-hmm. Um and then when I went through uh depression and OCD after that um and this you know really helped me discover f- spirituality mm-hmm. and sense of faith. Mm-hmm. And then it became more about well I'm not going to be bothered about my how people see me mm-hmm. because my relationship is with the universe right i am here on this planet to do or to discover or to learn and so all of these moments are there for me to learn from yeah right so then it didn't really become i'm not really hyper aware in that sense i kind of accept how i might come across mm-hmm. uh if in and if in certain instances i recognize and i'm i'm more self aware in the moment too so if i know that i'm coming across a certain way i address it So I you know speak to the person and say I hope I didn't did I come across that way. Wow, okay. And if I do, I don't I don't mean it and I hope I hope you don't feel that way. Mm. Right? Uh and that helps if you just open it in front of and and usually when you do that people appreciate right. even if they didn't feel that way. Mm. Just that you know um if you if you came across if you did come across then they might just mention it and then you apologize and then it's okay. Yeah. Right? Um and then the other thing one of my professors said uh back in the states when I was studying there she told me that to be excellent at anything you will have to stand out yeah and ex- the very definition of excellence can only exist if there is mediocrity mm-hmm. right everyone cannot be excellent yeah so if you are striving for excellence in any field in whatever that you do and if you are if you do if people see you as that then they might react in two ways right they might either see their excellence and recognize it mm-hmm. and acknowledge that your excellence is different from the, whatever they are doing mm-hmm. or they might try to tear you down mm-hmm. so there will be people of all si- all types and sometimes if as long as your intentions are pure and you do what you do then some people if they try to tear you down and say a b c d whatever they want to say about you then you can't let that affect your light right mm. whatever it is that you're striving for mm-hmm. and if you dampen your light and you you start getting affected by it then you are doing a disservice to humanity and to the universe and to the source or to god or whatever it is who built all that light in you right mm-hmm. so our purpose is only and i'm going into philosophical territory but like <laughs> our purpose is 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 generally to discover our own light mm-hmm. and then to shine as bright as we can so then you just don't get affected then then i put in my logical part right so therefore <laughs> conclusion <laughs> so therefore don't be affected <laughs> you uh yeah you've mentioned a bit about like how depression and ocd have affected you as a person mm-hmm. and how those experiences has changed you as a person how would you say it has also changed you as an actor yeah yeah i think so i'll recount this little story um so i was admitted to imh for a week mm-hmm. for observation this was in march 2016 so i had severe ocd and this was obsessive doubt uh so my ocd was not something that was manifesting in terms of me needing to wash my hands or anything it manifested in obsessive doubts that were irrational mm-hmm. uh and my compulsion was to seek reassurance mm-hmm. and the more reassurance i got the more doubts i would get and so it was a never ending cycle and the doubts would range in like it would be ridiculous i was even doubting whether i love my parents 
like the fact that I couldn't answer that I felt love mm. was it was then fueling a need to reassure myself that I did, and, and so on and on and on it went. It's an illness. Uh, mental illnesses are illnesses that can be treated, um, and also I think spirituality and faith helps. Mm. So basically, I was admitted to IMH for a week for observation because I had suicidal thoughts the week before, and I was very vocal, open. I told my parents everything, and. So they, they told our doctor, the doctor decided to admit me. So I was in strict observation. I couldn't go out. Um, I was with about four other people. Mm-hmm. And we were all patients that were being watched. And there just came a point, and I don't want to put this on IMH or on anybody, or, you know, but my experience, and this is what I saw, there was this person who, from the moment I entered this place, I was a new guy, right? Mm-hmm. He would keep saying, hey, new guy, new guy. Hey, I want to be a friend. I want to be a friend. I want to be a friend. Hey, don't be scared of me. Nah. I want to be a friend. Hello, hello, hello. I want to be a friend. And he'd go on and on and on the whole day. Mm-hmm. First few days, I ignored him. I was freaked out. I came in with my prejudices of mental, mental illness and everything. So I also thought, well, who's this crazy guy? And all this. And so I kind of hid and I didn't talk to him. The third day, he started to get on my nerves, right? He just kept going on. So I gave in because I was already suffering so much from OCD and everything. I, I couldn't handle it. So I just gave in. I said, okay, I'll be your friend. He got so excited. He brought out a board game that I had never seen before. And he just rattled on the instructions and was setting up all the cards and everything. And we were we started to play. I didn't understand the game. I still don't know the game to this day. I don't know the name of this game. So don't ask me what this game was. But... I was just trying to keep up while also having all these obsessive doubts in my head. <laughs> and I was just trying to play this game with him. And then suddenly out of the blue, he looks to the corner next to me and there's nobody there. And he just shouts. He shouts a few vulgarities. He tells whatever that entity next to me was to go away. And then the nurses, the, 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 the nurses, the nurses run in and they grab him. They put him on his bed and they tie him up with a rope. And then at that moment, it was a very a rude shock to me because I realized, of course, he was going through schizophrenia. And then I saw him writhing on the bed. So it was a rude shock to me because I had seen this guy who I thought was weird and strange. And then I opened up to him and then it was a, it was a game. And then suddenly I see him writhing on his bed, bed and he was, he was tied up. And these nurses just said he's a threat to himself and to others. And so they, and so at that moment, I just, I still get goosebumps because I just felt immense empathy for him. Because suddenly I recognized him as a soul that was also suffering from something that he didn't want in his head. And that experience was the same as mine. Whether it's schizophrenia, whether it's any mental illness, it's always a sense of your mind losing control. Like you losing control over your mind. And so your mind is a different part of you. it's not even part of you and it's not working with you and so so that experience was so similar that I, I I just understood what empathy meant like I felt for him and felt for him despite my initial prejudices despite my initial fear of him right suddenly I was I was just hoping he would be fine and he was a fellow human beings just struggling so that really made me understand empathy. So now with my characters, when I act, it's that level. Like I need to achieve that level of embodiment. Mm. It's not about 
Shrey the actor playing how good am I at playing this character right mm-hmm. but it's more of like well how can I really understand what this person is going through yeah. on the deepest of feelings of levels of um so my process of acting has also changed my and we can go into technicalities but like just how I approach a role my rituals before the show mm-hmm. uh the things I go through um yeah and also now I have a deeper sense of spirituality and 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 the the spirit so previously you know I wouldn't really do much before the show now I have a I discovered like it's sometimes I just meditate and I just call on the I know it sounds weird but I call on the spirit of the character to show me mm-hmm. um like visions of his childhood that I need to see before the show mm-hmm. sometimes that helps um yeah and then you just things just happen on stage or on screen that you discover mm-hmm. more so on stage because you're there for like good 2 hours just creating the character mm-hmm. um on the screen you can cheat you know sometimes you it's cut and then you can do it again <laughs> and you know so it's a lot more technical sometimes on screen but yeah maybe you can tell us a bit more about how you came about learning not learning sorry it came about spirituality in your own way because i think i was not to assume but i think a lot of singaporeans they usually have a religion that they follow from young right. usually it's that kind of way that they discover like their spirituality and stuff so yeah yeah so when i was a deep in depression so i was i i i grew up hindu right but like i said i was very logical right so i rejected hinduism as a kid I went to temples, I went to uh you know uh, all these different places and I always questioned to my parents I said why how can there be a monkey god how can there be an elephant god this makes no sense mm-hmm. yeah 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 And so I rejected it by 15 around the same time 15 16 I was a full on atheist I didn't believe god existed and then I became sort of agnostic I was like well I don't know I don't know what it is And then when I really fell into depression and OCD, ah, then you reach a point where you are you are in hell. Every day is absolute torture. Like each minute would feel like an eternity. Um it it was an experience I cannot describe and I don't think an experience that majority of us can understand unless you really go through it. Yeah. Because we don't understand if you've never lived it, you will not understand how can a minute feel like an eternity in makes no sense. And it's not just feeling sad, it's it's literal agony. Um that's why you reach a point where you can have suicidal thoughts and think that the only way to get out of pain is to end your life. Um luckily I didn't reach a point where I really comprehended and planned how to do it. I just reached a place where I was having those thoughts and that those thoughts started to scare me. So I I still didn't want to end my life thankfully. I just reached a place where it was agonizing. So there was this I think it was now a good 4 5 months into my suffering. and i had tried everything i'd gone to churches mosques temples and at every place i would feel something but at the same time nothing would change and so i just it just and and, and you know the church i went to different churches i went to also they've said like you know you have to accept jesus as your lord and savior and the other religions are not right and then they, you know oh and being a logical kid like you know i also felt like how can god exist if he makes us all fight over him in different parts and so I, again i felt there has to be something that's bigger that's larger 5 months into it i come out of this temple and i walked i was walking up this hill nothing happened at the temple again i just tried mm-hmm. and then i went up the hill and i got so frustrated i got so frustrated and i shouted 
to the sky. I shouted to the sky and I said, like, why can't you just prove to me you exist? Why can't you just show me that you exist and that I'll get out of this hell and that everything will be fine one day and I can live my life and continue doing what I'm doing and just grow and be better. And why do I have to be in this place? Just show me that you exist. Just give me one proof, one proof that you exist. And at that moment, a feather flew into my hand. And this is real. And I have the feather at home. And every time from that point on, when I had a major doubt about any major life decision, I would see a feather that would guide me in the direction I needed to go. You can call this coincidence, whatever it is. But to me, it's it's a sign. Mm-hmm. Um, even with my girlfriend, Celeste, you know, we at that point of time when I was going through that, we broke up. And we were only three months into our relationship. I broke up for a good five, six months. I was not, I just blocked her and everything. And then five months so after this happened and everything, I gathered the courage. I knew she was going for a first ever play. She was acting in a first ever play. I decided to attend it. And I had a lot of these doubts, like, will I fall back into a deeper depression because I have not seen her in a while? And But then when I met her after the show, where we sat down outside this theater, there was a feather. So from that point, I knew it was okay. Like I would, it's okay to see her again. And so, and now we're together. We're going to almost finish six years together this June and like things go on. So even today, when I came to this podcast, Mm -hmm. just downstairs, I found a feather. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Where where do you see feathers like this in Singapore? I don't know. (laughs) Right. And Celeste is the one who, saw this in our path as we were walking and she's like, oh my God, a feather. And she showed me and I was like, and I brought it here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So I'm holding yes. a feather in my hand right now. It's a gray. And so the feather that I received was very similar to this. It's a gray and white feather, mm-hmm. but mine was very, very small, much smaller than this, about like this big. Wow. Um, but one third of the feather that I'm holding now. Um, yeah, so... Now it, now the feathers show up more as a, I would say it's, you see, like, I'm going to talk about all of this now. So I think the source just reminded me, like, don't forget to talk about <laughs> all of these things. Like, <laughs> it is real. Uh, and, and what I discovered after that was this, this connection with the source you can achieve through whatever faith that you have. As long as you have faith in something. That faith will guide you to the truth if you follow it with the right heart and the right intention. Mm. So whether you are Muslim or whether you're Hindu or whether you are Christian, it doesn't matter. Mm. At the end of the day, you are trying to find God. And I found this philosophy. Uh, this was when I, it's called Advaita Vedanta. It turns out to be one of the core philosophies of Hinduism. I didn't know it then. But that philosophy talks about this as well. It talks about how we are all one and we are from the same source. Mm. And we're all part of the universe and the universe we can't comprehend because we can only see for 14 billion light years. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the whole universe is, but this wholeness, this allness is Brahman, this uh, allness. And this is what kind of functions as a being. It works in tandem. Everything is, has a moving part and we're all interrelated and we're connected. So separation, the idea that we are separate from one another is an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's an illusion because of the material world we live in. So this feather is always a reminder of that. And I kind of follow that and that that spirituality 
leads me to that place, which is why when I act, I'm one with the character, right? That's the same feeling. When I connect with an audience member through my work, it is we are we are striking a chord that's within us, mm-hmm. right? Same thing in any anything that you do. When you when you find the seeds of passion, like this is what I want to do, you're actually just connected yeah. to that source and you're striking that chord. In a way, the movie Soul touches on it as well. Mm-hmm. When you see people are in the zone, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why I love that film too. Uh, it does a bit of that. Uh, that you you enter this this cosmic uh, space Shit. where we all are connected, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, that's that's where it yeah. came from. This got very intense, very yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. That's one of the things um, my professors and everybody say about me. It's, whether it's in my acting, also, I just, I guess, I carry an intensity. <laughs> oh, is that a picture? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I can find a picture of the original flower, but I have it. I've kept it in a box and I've kept it in my the temple that we have at home. So that feather flew right into my hand when I cried out for that. Mm-hmm. So that was the sign. I, I at that moment I was quite I quite I was quite baffled. Started crying and I was also a little amused. I was like. Is that the sign? But this could be a total coincidence. The feather just flew into my hand. This is this is windy. Like, <laughs> this is a coincidence. But then at the same time, I was like, well, how else? If there is a God or a universe that is beyond us, something larger than us, mm-hmm. how else could it or he or that, in, in, in Advaita and in Hinduism, they call it that, that source. Mm. Right? How could mm. that communicate with me? This was the <laughs> one of the few ways, right? So I embraced that. And now the feather shows up in my life in this kind of, either there are these poignant moments or it's just completely amusing. Like it's the universe just saying, I'm still with you. <laughs> just a little reminder. Yeah, just a little reminder. Yeah. You know, um, keeps me humble. <laughs> well, it must be reassuring. Yeah. 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 I'm happy that we, we are yeah. common. We are good Yeah, sign. you see, it's a, it's a sign. One thing I feel like I noticed and I, I really like about you is that I feel like you kept this openness to wanting to develop yourself over time. You know, be yeah. it in terms of spirit, spirituality, like you just explore different religions or giving yourself different experiences or even saying yes to that friend in IMH. Yeah. Um, I feel that that really served you along the way in discovering yourself which I think is important for whoever is listening, um, that openness really helps you find pieces of yourself that you may not even know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so easy to be comfortable and closed off, right? Yeah. Because we, are, yeah. we know how things are, like if you're in a certain job that you don't like, but at least it's paying the bills, right? At least it's comfortable or, you know, it's so easy to just remain closed off to possibilities because it's safe. Yeah. But there is this uh, phrase that I practiced when I was in depression to try to get out because I, I tried affirmations. I tried many ways to, to, to how you'd say, rewire my brain right, <laughs> to, to get out. And one of the things was that I am safe in the universe and all life loves and supports me. And this phrase I carried in my wallet, I think I probably still have it in my bag. Um, and it's always there with me. Um, and I think that sense, if we get get a sense of faith in something larger, it doesn't matter what religion, whatever it is, in something larger and have a sense that you are safe and you are protected 
and all life, all of life loves and supports you, mm-hmm. then, then everything, anything that changes, if you lose a job or something, or that opportunity you tried for, you get rejected, mm-hmm. or you know you are in school and you are just not doing well academically at the moment, yeah. or you're in a relationship and you just broke up, whatever it is, that moment you are still loved and supported by all of life. And if you re- realize the significance of that, then you'll know that everything that comes in your life is it's part of the life journey, yeah. wherever you're meant to go. So there's no... Why waste time being bogged down by that, right? You yeah. just take it, feel it, acknowledge it, and keep following the signs, mm. you know? And find the signs. Find what the signs are for you. It's just mm. different for everybody. Yeah. That is so healing. <laughs> it is, yeah. Right now, like we've talked a lot about your past and your present, but what does your future hold for you? What are your aspirations right now? Well, so because I'm open to all of I mean, I don't have a fixed plan. I initially planned to stay in the U.S. after I graduated to try to, um, you know, hustle for a year and try to get a visa to stay there and work so that I could you know, maybe make it in Hollywood. Mm. Um, I, I was in L.A., was there, and then COVID happened. Um, and now I'm back and things are going pretty okay here. And I like it here too. I'm close to my girlfriend, my family. Um, so honestly, I'm just taking opportunities as they come. I am currently working on a TV show that will air in on Channel 5 in August, August 10th. It's called This Land is Mine. Mm-hmm. So check that out. It's a period piece, 1946, um, set right after the Japanese occupation about this group of lawyers that have to deal with all these ethically ambiguous cases right after the war. Uh, so perfect August 10th, of course, National Day. Mm, yeah. yeah. Right, post-National Day. So that is what I'm currently shooting, working on finishing that up. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't have anything lined up. So I'm completely jobless again in a matter of days. Um, and just looking again, back to the drawing board, looking, being grateful for everything that has happened so far. And then we'll see how one thing leads to another after that. And ideally, I would love to, you know, do more film, mm-hmm. um, you know, feature films. I would love to be in movies. <laughs> so let's see how that goes. And this TV show has been the closest to creating a character for a long form, mm-hmm. right? 15 episodes, hour long each, to create a character from start to finish. And it's a different challenge. In theater, you're there in person. You can do it for two hours, which is tough. But it's then it, it's it's ended with film, your work stays on forever mm-hmm. right it's captured forever so how do you create a character from start to finish that's been a challenge I'm, I'm I have doubts I don't know how it's going to turn out in this tv show um, but you know I have to trust everybody else I'm working with yeah. it's a collaborative effort so we'll find out on August 10th yeah. and then hopefully if I can get to do more movies that challenge I would love to explore that how do you create a character on that level for film mm-hmm. ideally international and hopefully, you know, show Singaporeans that you can you can still make it internationally mm. in a field like this. Um, and there are Singaporeans who have done it abroad. Um, you know, nobody has won an Oscar or anything, but wow, if we could get there. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> One day, we'll see. We'll see. I like how you don't get, 
I'm not sure, but it seems like you don't get scared at the idea that you're not going to have like a plan next because I'm a planner. <laughs> you can ask me about yeah, like a really, really long-term planner. <laughs> yeah. But I like that you, you take it as it comes and then, then life lead you the way. Yeah, I yeah. kind of am excited by the plan the universe might have, you know, because yeah. maybe the plan that I make is only one plan out of like million of plans. <laughs> So how can I be sure if my plan is the best? Yeah. It's probably not. So I'm just going to let the universe take care of that mm. <laughs> and uh, get surprised, you know. It's always <laughs> wonderful when you, you know, you don't have, a, you know, suddenly I'm out of jobs and then suddenly you get this text out of the blue. Mm. Like, for example, for this TV show, I got a message mm. from somebody who said they assisted at an interview I was at mm. three years ago. And they said, oh, we are casting for Indian actors for this role and... Will you be willing to audition? And I remember you from three years ago. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, that feeling was, you kind, you kind of, so I just let universe surprise me. You know, I'm like, okay, wow. I didn't know I'd be on a TV show this year. Mm. I am going to be on a TV show this year. Did I do anything to really achieve it? No, I was just hustling as much as I could and, and doing that. Did I have a plan? No, it just surprised me. So I take the surprises of the universe and say, thank you. Mm. And then just wait for more surprises <laughs> and let it happen. You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of An Open Invitation. Join us next week for another episode. You can find us on AOIPodSG on Instagram or Twitter. That is AOIPODSG. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. If you or anyone you know has a story to share, reach out to us at AOIPodcast at gmail.com. That is A-O-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com.